You're tuned into Reviving the Stylist, a business podcast for hairstylists looking to build a dream career that creates financial freedom and flexibility. I'm your host, Kristen Lumiere, and as a stylist, I've had my share of successes. Building a successful six plus figure business working only three days a week while being able to prioritize my family, travel, and buy my dream home. I know it doesn't sound easy, but if you put in the work, I guarantee you'll see results. No matter what your goals are, I'm super stoked that you're here so I can help you crush them. Let's start today's episode. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am going to tell you right now that I'm going to be so in love with this three episode series that I am recording all in one day because I want to make sure that the information is like really, really cohesive and put together. So over the next three weeks, I'm going to be talking really specifically to beauty school students, both pre-beauty school, during beauty school, and post-beauty school, because there are so many things I wish I would have known before I went to beauty school, during beauty school, and after. Now, if I had known all of these things, I don't think I would not have gone to beauty school because I absolutely love what I do. And I absolutely love the entire aspect of the beauty industry. Plus I had no idea what else I was going to do. So I'm going to share like some of my stories throughout my entire process of actually getting my cosmetology license and then what the heck I did after. So that is going to be something I'm really going to go over. And I have talked about this a little bit on the podcast as far as the post-beauty school, what I wish I had known. I do have an episode that goes over some of the things, but this series, I want to really just dive really, really deep into more kind of backstory and more things that I wish that I had known as far as like, you know, possibly having a mentor or having someone who maybe knew beforehand. But I know that not a lot of people really have that ability. And for me, I actually had two cousins that were hairstylists, so I should have been better prepared, but I wasn't actually. And I think that's because when I went to beauty school, people didn't really think that it was that big of a deal. I mean, when you're a hairstylist, you could make like $50,000 a year or $60,000 a year. And that was like a really good amount of money. But six figures for a hairstylist wasn't really the thing I feel like 12 years ago, where now it's like, you know, six, you see people all the time. I'm going to teach you how to make six figures as a hairstylist. I'm going to teach you how to make six figures as a hairstylist. Well, for me, I used to say that. I used to say that all the time. It's one of my achievements in my career, being able to make six figures working just three days a week and actually taking time off for like my mental health and like vacations and my family and all of that stuff. But what I realized is that for me at least, making six figures doesn't really resonate with me anymore. Of course, I like that happens for me now. But if I think about it, it's not about making the money like that. Obviously, you need money to live the way that you want to live. But in the same instance, it's not about the money. It's about the experience. It's about what you're able to actually do in your life and how you're able to live. So for me, in order for me to live the life that I want to, being able to take breaks, 
take mental health time for myself, be able to prioritize my family, own a farm, have animals, and afford some healthy animal bills. Like, holy cow. I just recently spent seriously about $3,000 on two separate incidents. And I'll go over that in a second. I'll share a little bit about it and what the heck is going on in my life right now. But in order to be able to afford that or to be able to live that life, I have to make a certain amount of money. So me making the amount of money that I do isn't because I want to be a six-figure stylist. It's because in order to live the life that I've always wanted to, I need to make six figures. So that is the reason why. If I could live the life that I've dreamt of making $50,000 a year, then I would absolutely do that. Now, I'm ambitious. I'm super ambitious. And I think for me, it's a little different in the sense of I want to touch other stylists and be able to help them as much as possible. So things for me have changed. I'm no longer just a hairstylist. I am a director of marketing in my company. I'm a CEO. I'm an entrepreneur. I am also still a hairstylist, but I have other things that I do. I'm a salon owner. I'm actually doing my first interview this next week, and I'm so stoked about it. I'm really, really excited because the application I got from the person was so good, and I'm just really excited to like I don't know, start a separate entrepreneurial journey, I guess you could say, in my career. I guess it's not even necessarily like career, but life, you know, it just something different. And let me circle back and just say that for me, anytime that I have done something with the intent of making money and not like the actual experience or the actual goals behind it aren't money-based, money is always extremely elusive. So if I do something because I'm like, I want to make $5,000, you know, in this month and I want to do it just because, well, it's really hard getting there. But if I think to myself, well, I want to make sure that my client's experience is so much better. I want to make sure that every single person has the healthiest hair that they've ever had and their color is the most vibrant and lasts the longest. Then my mindset switches. And instead of making like that $5,000 that I would have if I like hustled my butt off, it's actually goes up to like $7,000 that month that I will have made an extra $2,000 because my mindset changed. And instead of being like, I got to make this much money, it went to, well, no, I want to upgrade the experience and the actual results. And when that happens people spend more, at least what I've noticed. I make more, people spend more, and the trust factor in the relationship goes up exponentially. So now that I said that, I'm going to circle back again to when I was talking about my animals and what the heck is going on. So our Rottweiler recently, his name is Odin, and he's only seven, but he recently lost a ton of weight. He lost like 30 pounds in three weeks. We had no idea what was going on. He was limping everywhere. And he's a really tough dog. There was a time where we he was probably like a year old and he had this horrible limp in one of his back haunches. And we took him to the vet. We spent like hundreds of dollars on him, got him x-rayed. And the vet was like, we have no idea what's going on. That dog literally limped around for a year and a half and then was fine. Like never did, like never complained about it. Never looked like he was in pain. He just had like this weird limp. 
And he also had like this weird thing where like his tail went limp for a while, which apparently is like a thing in Rottweilers if they drink too much water, which you're like thinking to yourself, what the heck? That's actually a thing. Apparently it is. So the dogs had some issues to say the least. Well, anyway, he lost 30 pounds in three weeks. And I was like, okay, this is not right. I kid you not. Any kind of emergency animal situation always happens to me on a weekend when taking them in costs so much more, like hundreds of dollars more. So we ended up taking him to the emergency vet. My husband did. I stayed home with the kids because I don't know if you know or if you've ever had a situation where you've had to take an animal to the emergency vet. Hopefully not. I'm hoping for you that it has not happened. But it quite literally takes hours and hours. He was gone for six hours. And the only thing that they did was give him an IV, do some blood work, give him pain medication, and that was it. And then sent my husband home with meds to give him. So anyway, we found out that he has some kind of really weird like parasite. And hopefully that is the cause, but all of his joints were inflamed. Nothing was broken. It was just like this weird, almost like arthritis, but it wasn't arthritis. It was so strange. So anyway, he's getting better, gaining weight back slowly. And then I kid you not, not even a week later, my donkey, my mini donkey, Dave, and if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see, you know, I post about Dave every once in a while. He colicked and colic is something that is really prevalent for like horses or the equine animals. Well, apparently in minis, their small intestine can get easily impacted. So he had something called impaction and gas colic, and he was in some serious, serious pain. So we ended up taking him to the vet on a Sunday because, like I said, emergency animal situations happen on the weekend when things are so much more expensive. And I kid you not, it's happened to me so many times where I have to take an animal in on a Saturday or a Sunday. I just want to, like, pull my hair out. So anyway, we take him to the vet. He's literally there for three days. And on the second day, it's been 24 hours since we noticed that he had been colicking. The vet literally calls me and says, are you going to be doing colic surgery if he doesn't pass it, you know, if he doesn't have a bowel movement? And I'm thinking to myself, well, I honestly, I don't know if we can like afford it. And that's horrible. But literally the surgery, it was going to be like $4,000. They were going to have to keep him for 10 days. And they're like, if this happens once, it's going to happen again. So we would have had to probably pay for another colic surgery for him. And I don't know about you, but for me, I'm not the type of person to put my animals under super strenuous like surgeries and horribleness if they're going to have to do it again. So I would have much rather done the humane thing, which would have been horrible because we have quite literally had to put down a mini donkey. We've had to put down a horse and one of our dogs passed away all in the exact same year. So we've had some serious animal issues over the last like two years. It's ridiculous. But Thankfully, he was able to make a bowel movement and he's so, so much better. But of course, it was $1,200. And, you know, it, it's literally, we spent like, you know, thousands of dollars this month on animal bills. So that's my spiel. I had to tell someone, so I might as well have said it on the podcast. And first, I want to just thank you for sticking with me if you're listening to this podcast episode still. 
because I did kind of rant a little bit about the insaneness of what the heck has been happening. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. I needed to say it's someone. And since you're listening, it's helped. So the things I wish I knew pre-beauty school. And I think that this was just a great topic because I posted recently on my Instagram about the three things I wish I knew post-beauty school, which I'm going to go over those in episode 25 because this one is 23. So I'm going to go over those in episode 25 just a little bit deeper, which is going to come in a few weeks. But before I went to beauty school, I wish that I honestly had the mindset of I'm going in to learn how to pass my licensing exam, and that is it. When I went to beauty school, I thought I was going to come out knowing all of the up-to-date techniques and being like an expert or, you know, like when you graduate college or if someone graduates and they have their master's degree in something, you're like, well, you may not have like the experience, but you know how to do it. So that's literally what I thought. I'm like, I'm going to go to beauty school. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to know how to do hair. I'm going to know how to do hair color. I'm going to know how to cut. I'm going to know all of these things. And there are some schools that will absolutely help you propel so much further than others. But the school that I went to quite literally just taught you how to pass state board. And State Board, I graduated from a school in Southern California, and State Board was extremely difficult to pass because it was a full-day affair. Like, quite literally, you were there for eight hours, and you had to get there so early in the morning. You had to buy, like, a really special bag that had everything that you needed in it. You didn't pack it, so you quite literally had to go in during your exam and unpack everything. You had to have actual breathing models. So my dad was actually my model for state board. And he had to like shave his beard because you can't have a beard unless you are taking your barbering exam. And of course, I was taking my cosmetology exam for my license. So when it came to actual pre-beauty school, that is the biggest thing that I wish I had known. I wish I had known that beauty school isn't going to teach you how to be an expert. Typically, the teachers that are in beauty school aren't even experts themselves. They're helping you pass and get licensed, or they're helping you learn how to work with chemicals and work with things that can be dangerous. Like we work with sharp objects. We work with chemicals. We work with like sodium hydroxide. Like, hello, that is a 14 on the pH scale. If you leave it on your skin, it's going to burn the crap out of you. So you have to learn how to handle those types of things safely. They also teach you essential information like different diseases that you can see in the hair, like obviously lice, different types of diseases on the skin. So that way you can also work and keep yourself as safe as possible. What to do if you cut someone, what to do if you cut yourself. Those things are really, really important. So for me, my school really just taught me how to be safe when I was actually working behind the chair, but they didn't teach me how to do really anything, like any up-to-date techniques. I didn't really get any of that in school. So the biggest thing for me that I wish I had going forward when I decided to enroll, so that way I wasn't disappointed when I was actually in beauty school. Now, like I said, there are some schools that are extremely great when it comes to actually 
helping you learn higher level techniques. Like I know Paul Mitchell is going to be probably one of the ones I've heard the most of. I've also heard Tony and Guy is great, but definitely Paul Mitchell is number one up there. I went and interviewed probably four or five beauty schools before I decided to go to the one that I went to. And I'm so thankful that I went to the one that was only about like 10 minutes away from my house because their passing rates were like 98%, which is extremely, extremely good. Now, for me, that is the one thing. If you are someone who is looking at starting beauty school, you want to look at what their passing rates are. That's the most important thing because you can learn everything you need to as far as being a great hairstylist and achieving your goals. After you graduate beauty school, you can also learn a lot of that during beauty school too. But right now, what you need to worry about the most is actually graduating and getting licensed and learning how to handle things that are sharp and chemicals safely. That is the only thing you should be worrying about when you are choosing your beauty school to go to. Now, of course, you want to go to a beauty school that takes things like their students passing really seriously. That's extremely, extremely important. When it comes to things like the overall aesthetic of the school, or if you get along with the students, or if you get along with the teachers, that to me doesn't matter. And I'll tell you why it doesn't matter. It's because you're going in for a specific purpose. It's not to go in and be chummy with every single person there, or fight with people or be part of drama or whatever. That that stuff is just ugh. I mean, you don't need to go in and deal with any of that. All that that does is it makes you lose focus on what your actual goal is. Your goal is to graduate and get your license. Now, if you find friends throughout that process, that's incredible. My best friend and I went to beauty school together and we have been so tight for 12 plus years. She is like the person that I can literally tell anything to. But my advice for you is to make sure that you don't lose your focus and go in with the right mindset. The right mindset is I'm going to go in. I want to get my license. I want to make sure that I pass this exam so that way I can start my career. And I'm going to look for the right school to be able to do those things. I'm going to ask them tough questions like what their passing rate is, what they do to help their students get through state board or get through their exams and help them pass all of those things, what support systems they offer to make sure that their students are able to learn and grasp the information. Those types of things are what you want to really ask when you're interviewing schools, because I do believe that you should interview a lot of different schools out there. There's going to be schools that cost $15,000 to go to. There's going to be schools that cost $30,000 to go to. And really, you just have to know what are your goals and what are you wanting to get out of those specific schools and experiences. For me, pre-beauty school, the goal should have been just to pass my state board exam. Because when I went into beauty school, I realized that, oh, that's kind of the only thing that they teach in beauty school is how to pass your exam. And if you just happen to know some things after that are helpful in your career, then that's great. But realistically for me, passing state board would 
definitely have been number one priority. And I did pass. I passed. Actually, I think I got like a 99% on my exam. And I graduated beauty school at the top of my class, but that did not help me in the real world. And I'll explain more in the next two episodes, but that's definitely the number one thing that I wish I had known before I actually went in beauty school is that when you go into beauty school, they're really only going to teach you how to get licensed and how to handle things safely. So that way you're not burning people, cutting people's ears off or cutting your own fingers off. Those things are really important not to do. So that really just kind of wraps this episode up. I hope that it kind of resonated with you if you are an experienced stylist, like shaking your head yes, like that's really all that beauty school teaches you. Or if you are someone who you went to a great beauty school that taught you how to be a great stylist from the get-go, I think that's incredible. And I'm not saying that there are not beauty schools out there that do that because there definitely are. And I've seen it before too. And those beauty schools are a dime a dozen, and they are absolutely incredible. So I hope that you share this with someone who's possibly thinking about starting beauty school, and I think it would be super helpful for them just to hear from someone who's experienced, maybe other than you or other than another stylist, someone who maybe they don't know or haven't heard of, and just share it with them and say, hey, this is something that I think would help you in your decision-making Like I said, these next two episodes after this one are going to be specific for beauty school students and graduates. So thank you so much for joining me today on the episode. The next one is going to be the same length, more than likely. Who knows? For me, I kind of like to get on here, punch to the point, and then, you know, dip. Because I don't know about you, but I really don't enjoy listening to podcast episodes that are like 60 plus minutes, it drives me nuts because then I don't finish it and I have to get in the car and listen to it again whenever I drive. And I don't really drive that much because I live, like I said, in the country and gas is just insane right now. So I hope that you have a great day and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for joining me today on Reviving the Stylist. If something really resonated with you during this episode, take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram story, and let me know what you loved most. Don't forget to also send it to a friend so that way they can reap the incredible things from this episode too and leave me a rating and review. I'd also absolutely just love to connect with you outside of the show too. So you can find me on Instagram at kristen.lumiere. That's L-U-M-I-E-R-E or my website, kristenlumiere.com. And before I go, I just want to leave you with one reminder. It isn't about living to work. It's about working to live. And that is my goal for you, friend, because you deserve it. I'll see you on the next one.